Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Can UFO revelations from the U.S. military be trusted? Can you really be sexually assaulted by a paranormal entity? Do all dogs go to heaven? Greetings and welcome to the 858th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those uh, heterogeneous questions came from my co-host, partner in Paranormal Adventures, and dad, Paul. And today, we bring you an open line show to answer your questions. Uh, we welcome your calls today. It's 401-766-1240, uh, or you can email Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com, or contact us uh, via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, for those who are a little uh, shy in the vocal area. <laughs> And we're pleased, I hope, uh, in a minute, to welcome back the ever-popular Shane Searway, our favorite guest co-host, who adds so much to these open-line shows. Having a little trouble connecting with him this morning. He, uh, we're not quite to the point where he comes down to the studio from New Hampshire uh, just yet because of the COVID thing. Uh, hopefully soon we'll be back, but uh, we're relying on Skype uh, today, and uh, we have to hope to have him back um, uh, on the line here in a minute. So uh, let us begin as Ben tries to raise Shane here. Hello, hello. Oh, there he is. Okay. There he is. Yeah, per- yeah. Right in the nick of time, Shane. Yeah, yeah right in the nick of time. Okay, well, welcome to the show, Shane. Say hello to the nice people. Hello, nice people. All right. So let's begin kind of with the uh, the, the first question that we asked regarding UFO, re- UFO revelations. And uh, we will start appropriately with our good friend uh, and listener in Columbia, South, uh, Columbia, South Carolina, Columbia, South America, uh, Peter Shelley, uh, Peter here. Okay, let's. Sure. So right. Peter writes to us um, regarding the Pentagon announcement. I agree that this is some sort of uh, less than honest effort. Obviously, my question is why? Why now? And what is the real objective? Now, the Pentagon announcement being that there is a, a gr- new group looking into UFOs, okay? Uh, that was preceded, of course, as, as anybody turns on the TV, because they play it ad nauseum, uh, those Navy um, f- photos uh, taken from uh, jet, uh, f- from fighter aircraft of a UFO-like f- figure that was referred to as the tic-tac-shaped UFO. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, as I've said, I'd like to know how much the Italian company that makes Tic Tacs is paying them to make that kind of analogy. But anyway, uh, th- that's the background of what we're talking about. So, um, Shane, any thoughts uh, on whether this is legit or not? Yeah, I mean, it 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 is. I mean, um, first it was the, the Navy and now the uh, the Pentagon, which is pretty incredible. But um, you know, if you're gonna you know, they were always concerned, you know, about a crazy reaction from the public or whatever. Um, but really, um, if, you, if you're you're going to do it and you're worried about that, now's the time to do it because everyone's distracted with all this other nonsense that's going on, you know. Um, could be a reason, but, um, you know, I think it just, people are, are starting to open their eyes. And, I mean, it, it's becoming more and more obvious. I mean, it, uh, last year or this past year, the, the amount of sightings is, is incredible. Um, in 2019 and in this year, I mean, there's just been so many more sightings and so many more video recordings of, of uh, these strange objects, you know, all over. Um, Including our own. 
Yes, exactly. I mean, North Carolina is going crazy with these orange balls, and and uh, but all around. I mean, even New Hampshire, there's been so many silver discs, you know, um, being spotted, and then this big giant giant thing that um, I photographed above my property and, and uh, was reported, even a police officer reported to me um, um, this giant the same thing that I, I photographed, but they saw it probably a lot closer because they said it was ginormous, you know, really, really huge so I mean, but there's just there's no denying it anymore, there's no hiding it, so um, I think now would be a good good time where everyone's distracted with other, other things, you know Hmm, Ben? Um I, I've I, I haven't I haven't had a chance to read it um, at all. Really, have either of you had a chance to read the document? Yeah, no. I have. Um, Some of it, anyway. I've I'm not sure I've I'm wanted to, and I've I've heard mention, but I want to I want to basically find it myself uh, before I, I kind of go off the cuff of of be- uh, certain details in it. Yeah, very, very sensible. Um, yeah, yeah so. I didn't read it read it either i just i heard the statement and that was it yeah yeah and so i before i kind of j- jump into a, a rabbit hole of, of of speculation it which is really all we can do right and you know up until this point you know how honest has our government really been with us period <laughs> yeah and, yeah and that's that's kind of the the sort of uh perspective i think we should all all take and what's what's really fascinating about it is you know it's kind of taken as a given. I think I think in in sort of a time of chaos, if if anything is to get done, sort of behind the scenes, you kind of have to keep people looking away at different things. Mm. So I mean, look at all of the anything that's happened since March, really, <laughs> and and just everything that's kind of been going on. You know, there's a laundry list of things, and it seems like every other day, week, month, there's some new new sort of crisis and i would argue that it's partially to do with our our 24-hour news cycles that it's like you have to have something to report on there always has to be a crisis and there's sort of this um um a, a, a actually a very good a very good friend of ours who is uh getting his phd in political science specifically in a in studying the um um the sort of psychological effects of of um, sort of po- politics essentially is is really 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 fascinating to me and occasionally I'll listen to some of his lectures and there's a really fascinating sort of thing and it's all meant to kind of divide e- everything out there is meant to sort of divide you in some way shape or form and I would argue that this whole sort of oh well hey uh yeah, I know that we're in the middle of a of a of many crises right now. But by the way, UFOs are real, <laughs> and, <Right. laughs> and and here's what we have now. It's like okay, well, what's what's the goal, right? There's no tangible reason for it, right? There's no there's no sort of big demand by a majority to say, hey, you know, we need the truth about it because 75 percent of the population in the United States believes in extraterrestrials anyway. It's like yeah. so. What right. is what is the goal? other than more chaos, I would argue. Well, I tend to agree with that. Uh, now, Shane may, may very well be right. He usually is uh, and when he's discussing the uh, <clears throat> the matter of this is the time to do the revelations. But I, I also agree that I think it's, it's a time when everyone is distracted. And that's what makes me so suspicious about this. 
Yeah, because why now, couldn't they do this a year ago? Yeah, well, I mean, or having, before that. Or ha- before having worked that. with military intelligence, although albeit on a very low level, you do kind of get a, a sense of how they work. Uh, first of all, the government is in smithereens. So was the Pentagon in the sense there, there are many, many, there are factions, uh, the different services at times uh, compete with one another, and the, the Navy always seems to have charge of UFO stuff, always has. And uh, there... Are, there do seem to be agendas. I know that when we're, uh, and all of us have been on panels at UFO conventions here, the three of us, and uh, the subject of disclosure will always come up, and everybody says, oh, yeah, it's coming soon. You know, the most eminent names in the field will say it's coming soon. But I, I feel like a fool. I have to sit there and say, well, you know, I think it's naive to think that this is coming soon, whatever it may be. The information that's released, I just don't believe it will be accurate, complete, or even true uh, in even some ways. I just, I'm very cynical about this disclosure thing. There's always some agenda, and there are competing departments within the government uh, who want to have this or that agenda, and they may be competing agendas. So I just, I don't know, and the timing of, the, the timing of all of this is just weird. The whole COVID thing, all the political nonsense... The riots, I mean, it's just, it's, it's too coincidental to me. I, I don't know really why it's happening, and uh, I don't want to give this stuff that's non-paranormal. But the UFO thing, I just, I don't trust the information, and we'll just see. And I will say this, too. The, the Pentagon has always been studying UFOs. That, that's right. part of their job. So this is nothing new. Uh, it'll be done under different project names, sometimes in different places, occasionally with different people. But it's always been studied. So why they're coming out about this now may very well be because Shane, what Shane pointed out, the uh, the number of sightings is tremendous. Uh, a lot of photography. We ourselves had that amazing sighting <coughs> a year ago, May, and uh, got to that video. And um, anyway, I, I just I think there's a lot more to it yeah. than simply a disclosure. Right. I also do, I also agree that you know um, with the the. Every, all the other nonsense that's going on, all the, all the, everything, all this chaotic crap that's going on, it's all politically driven, um, whether it be by the media or, the, you know, or whatever, it's, it's all for political gain and, and agendas and, and it's disgusting and I never talk about this stuff but I did on the, sh- on the show Friday night and I just usually try to stay neutral but I've had it, you know, I'm just, it's been disgusting so I just I kind of went off on a show the other night about all this nonsense but I just don't know how like, re- um, making that statement how that plays into the political scene at all like you know i just i'm trying to figure that out but um whether it is just to add more more chaos to the to the pot i guess yeah. um, well we'll see uh, all right well let's move on <coughs> to a furrier subject oh there was actually more to peter's email oh i beg your pardon oh oh peter we, we can we don't want to see he always asks good questions well so it's not well it's uh it's it's a it's a speculation on his part which okay. actually makes a lot of sense i did a quick little read through of it and um he says uh his speculation is as follows uh it is mere, merely a mechanism to justify military spending notice that the task force is interested in a threat to national security if there is no threat no dollars ultimately the task force will conclude something like we don't know uh what it is exactly it could be russia china or the klingon empire we don't <laughs> know but after this uh studying the problem we have proposed special defense systems and countermeasures to deal with the potential threat uh whatever it may be quote unquote um which will 
only cost the taxpayers ninety gazillion dollars. Checks, please. And by the way, uh, please overlook the fact that the Air Force, after years of studying, concluded in 1969 uh, that uh, there was no threat to national security. Well, Peter may be a little darker than I am on this, but I, I think he's got some points. Yes. <coughs> All right. <coughs> Excuse me. Hmm. Anyway, uh, the furrier subject here, Ben, if you would, this is from Tara in West Rentham, Massachusetts, right in our home listening area. Sure thing. Okay, thank you. I will take this from you. Uh, so Tara writes to us, uh, hem, uh, do animals have an afterlife? I really enjoyed your book, Behind the Paranormal, and your chapter on animals. Uh, but you really didn't come out and say that they have an afterlife, especially pets. What do you think? Well, we did report on uh, a, f- a person who had a pet ghost, in that was, although it was not really one of our cases. It was in North Carolina. Uh, however, <clears throat> we I remember we didn't bring it out in the chapter as such, mentioning afterlife and all those sort of things, because... As as uh, regular listeners know, we don't usually approach it in that way. To us, there's just life, and there really isn't any afterlife or past lives or anything. Because uh, Einstein's general theory of rel- uh, I should say special theory of relativity, what was relative was time. Uh, there is no past, no future. If he's right, you know, and uh, so the, the, a lot of old classic terms become irrelevant such as afterlife, because, you know, it's not after anything. Anyway, but the point being, does, do animals survive bodily death, uh, I guess is the question. And, yeah, I mean, everything is is always alive. Uh, the the uh, metaphor we always use is a leaf falling off a tree. you got a humongous oak tree with a gazillion leaves on it. One falls off. The, the, you're the whole tree. One life falls off. So what? You know, maybe it's a minor inconvenience. Uh, there's having talked about UFOs already on the show. There is some evidence from discussions we've had with people like Stanton Friedman and other other major people in the UFO field um, that what we that aliens when if they are from other planets and these really are nuts and bolts crap and when they crash as at Roswell the um, and the bodies are found uh, they don't they don't come back for them seemingly um, it's like it's a minor inconvenience because of the leaf theory kind of thing maybe this is known to uh, other forms of life and we think it is so um, yeah I mean everything is always alive I think the the, the principle in the quantum mechanics of, of, about the multiverse is that everything that is possible does exist somewhere or somewhere in the, the various parts of the multiverse uh, which are all simultaneously existing so, you, the only, well, what's not possible seems to be death. How can you die when you have your, so many aspects, or, or as we call, I call it in my last book, facets of ourselves are, are living in, in usually a physical manner at some point, everywhere, every when, not everywhere, every, you know, but in many, many millions of, of uh, facets and different parts of the multiverse. So, so yeah, I mean, if, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, artichoke the parakeet, you know, keels over in the cage one day. I mean, it's, it's probably, yeah, I mean, there are many, many versions of the same creature, and it's really all part of ourselves, too. So, yeah, you, you can't you can't die. So you have a beloved pet, uh, sure. Yeah, I was thinking that yesterday. We have a cat uh, who, he lives next door to your mom and I, Ben, but he think you know him. 
In fact, your, your future wife named him. My, fu- my, my current well, your wife? Cur- your current wife. <laughs> well, she was future at the time she named him. So anyway, uh, we call him Tobias B. Broder or, or Toby. And uh, he's a big black cat and he, he's just, uh, he comes and he eats and he, he visits with me and, he, and he's just very, very loving and friendly. And yeah, I mean, he'll always be with us. With me, particularly, because he he likes me <laughs> a lot, and uh, so I mean, I just I just see it as one huge life, and I don't see past and future. I, I don't see death. Uh, I just see life. I, I really experience that because I've thought of this so often. I don't know. So, uh, Shane, what say you on pets? Yeah. Uh, uh, how's Hank doing, by the way? <laughs> yeah, big, big old big old German Shepherd. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a jealous boy today. We got a, a the youngest grandbaby spent the night, and he gets real jealous. So he's oh. acting like a like a foolish dog. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, yeah. Uh, well, Donna Philly, um, you know the Connecticut house, um, and you know we talk about her and her house. And, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, all the time. And Litchfield and, uh, Triangle case. Yes, and so she's. If I remember correctly, she's seen one of her deceased dogs, but she saw half of it near the food bowl, um, if I remember correctly. The half um, they could eat? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and I've seen photographs from some of, you know, some people that have called me to their home to, to investigate or whatever things going on where they've taken photos and, and um, had, like, cats near the food bowl that were, were dead. Um, and But they, they, they were translucent, but they were clearly there. Um Things, things of that nature. Me, uh, me and my wife actually went, were called to a house where this teenage girl was being. Um, they believe there was something attacking her or whatever, or attached to her, and um, and there was there ended up being two things there. There was a parasite there, but there was also what felt like an animal and um, like a dog or something, and it would come up behind everybody and everybody there. Um, there was see it was another group a large investigative group that needed my help so i went to help them and so me and my wife went there so they had like three or four people and then it was me and my wife every single one of us got bumped you know how like a dog will nudge you with with his nose yeah right on the rear end every single one of us and it, it was it was a good push too you know um but it felt just like that like it was an upward push and uh like just like a dog nose and so in it and that felt different than the parasite so they had like two things going on there but it was um it's pretty pretty strange but but for sure i mean there's everything like you said everything is alive and and um we it, it was as long as we have energy and um and emotion and you it, you can have bleed overs between the parallels you know and between different worlds or whatever so um yeah certainly I'm with that. Uh, ben, thoughts on that? Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know what's what's kind of cool um, is is there's there's sort of this this theme. I don't I don't. We might have touched on it at some point in time, but never really kind of ever fully expanded on, which is sort of how we in uh, well, for lack of better words, uh, life kind of form bonds with you know a lot a lot of things around us, right? So not just people but daily activities right something that kind of brings us comfort or routine you know like um some of the cases that we've that we've had where you know guys walking down the stairs and haunting his own house because he does the same thing every day yeah but it's a it's a bond not just with a with a thing with a you know an 
an object or another person or an animal. It's with that activity. And these sort of bonds, I think, kind of... Uh, I'm trying to pick the right words here um, because it's it's a really esoteric subject I've never really had the time to kind of think about until this very moment. Um, essentially, we, we form bonds with a lot of things. And just from personal experience... I formed a lot of bonds with you two, as well as with my wife. You know, our our two our two cats. You know, our our house, our our sort of life. And I think when one sort of pursues life in a way, in in sort of pursuing these sort of very positive bonds and relationships that are kind of being built, I think it leaves sort of echoes almost. You know, something kind of good that exists. I would argue um, that not only would it be for us in a personal sense as as human beings, but I would say with, you know, any sort of living creature does kind of the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. So if, you know, let's say, like, um, you know, you have, you have a pet that's deceased. You know, sure, you formed a bond with it. I would argue that it also formed a bond with you, right? Because how would they sort of go about life without knowing, oh, this person's going to feed me and take care of me. Oh, this person's going to, you know, you know, clean me, keep me clean, whatever, make sure I don't die. All all of this stuff. You know, that's kind of a big deal, right? It's like, you know, if you're you're a parent or if you're a a, a child and you're like, "Oh, well, I'm forming a bond with my parents because they're keeping me alive." <laughs> But you know, you would argue well, that we did. Might, we did all right with you, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'd, I'd, say, I'd say, yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty good right. job. You know, good. like a like an A. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the, but you know, the, the the point still stands. You know, arguably, yeah. I don't want to anthropomorphize here because you could say that you know, oh well, it's an animal. You know, they don't have, you know, sort of the same kind of brains that we do. Um, but then we kind of get take it a step further and say, well, what's consciousness then? You know, why is it limited only to humans? Right, and that's that's kind of that's kind of the questions that we don't have the answers to. Which is, is consciousness only sort of allowed for humans and nothing else? Because I would say that that's not true. No, I'd, I'd agree. And and that sort of brings up, okay, well, if we form bonds, that would argue that there is consciousness there. You know, how would it, if an animal was just only acting on instinct and was like, okay, well, this person's feeding me, I like this person. You know, because they feed me, then what's the point of them even interacting with anybody else at all? Unless they get food from it. And, you know, this kind of gets down to behavioral science, but, you know, the, the, thought, the thought is still there that, you know, if it's just only acting out of instinct, then what it, where does consciousness come into all of that? And so, you know, it's a very long roundabout way to get to the answer to this, which is, which is do animals have an afterlife? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want to call it that, yeah. Right. Well, then you have to ask, what is af- what is afterlife anyway? Yeah. And is there an afterlife? Because if you break that apart, in and of itself, that would suggest that life ends. Mm. And does it end? And I would say no. I and agree. I would say yeah. that pursuing life every day and in every way, I didn't mean to rhyme that, um, <laughs> would essentially be living. Yeah, I like that. So, yeah, on that note, let's take our bottom of the hour break here, if I can get through it. 
And uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and our special guest co-host Shane Searway today. Uh, it's open lines on WON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back with your questions. The night is alive. Join us and take a walk on the weird side when you tune in to The Kingdom of Nye, hosted by Heather Wade, the finest in late night talk. Listen live free weeknights starting at 9 p.m. Pacific time at thekingdomofnigh.com, talkstreamlive.com, and the Paranormal Radio app. Want to take a ride? Local and live at 99.5 FM. And welcome back to Behind the Paranormal on WON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM. And we're back here with, uh, of course, uh, Ben, uh, who's also acting as producer today, and our good friend Shane Searway, who is our brother-in-arms and uh, our favorite guest co-host, especially for these open-line shows. So let's, uh, before we leave Tara's question, I just wanted to cite the um, uh, the section of the book that she mentions, uh, and the book being Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know Is Wrong, by Ben and myself, published 2017 uh, by Schiffer Books, and it's still in stores, I believe. And uh, there is a section that was a very interesting animal ghost uh, story. And uh, it was from, there's a book, uh, people of my generation would remember it. I don't know if anybody else does, but Lad, a Dog. It was a story of a dog. That, you know, a lot of young people liked the story, uh, you know, back in whenever. Never heard of it, but I'll take it. I, I should have read it to you as a kid. You, you were deprived. No, strictly Lord of the Rings. Anyway, the dog that was based on... Uh, I believe was a a dog owned by the author Albert Payson Terhune. I think he pronounced the name. And he lived in New Jersey, and uh, Rex was the dog. And Rex uh, translated or died, as we, some people would say. And uh, people would come over to his house uh, after this, and they would one day they would just uh, have dinner, and they were sitting around the the living room, and the people said, uh, "Boy, your dog sure loves you." And there, there was no dog at his feet, but they saw Rex, you know, who was lying at the feet of Mr. Terhune, as he always did. And uh, I suppose that's one of the the, the uh, ideas that gave him uh, the notion for that book, was the, the faithfulness of this dog. And um, I don't know if he ever saw it himself, but other people would see it, walking mm-hmm. with him and those kind of things. I thought that was kind of interesting, couldn't see it himself. But other people did. So just on that note, I guess we can leave, go to the next question. But uh, I think that's rather um, uh, not just charming, but rather heartwarming. Yeah, it's really nice. Mm. Yeah, it's de- definitely a tonal shift from the first part of the show. Uh, yes. Well, as we like to do on open lines, we're all over the, all over the multiverse. Yeah, actually. Speaking of, um, we have Mark writing to us from South Africa, uh, Durban, South Africa, huh. that writes with a very simple question. Um, which is uh, who or what is the Slender Man, and have you ever seen him? Oh, uh, not lately. We used to have uh, coffee. No, uh, the Slender Man is one of a number of, um, I suppose you could call archetypal figures who have come out lately. Now, the Slender Man in particular, we did a whole show on him with Nick Redfern, okay, mm. and uh, it's it's an internet phenomenon. And we've talked about the notion of uh, urban legends on the show. And, you know, somebody hears something from somebody, they 
you know, the, 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 the elephant that sat on the Volkswagen or, or somebody who picked up a rat and thought it was a dog and took it home. That, that oh, kind yeah. Of. I remember mom sent me that email once, like forever ago. Yeah, that actually happened in our family. We didn't actually pick up a rat, but, I mean, some um, someone that, that your mom knew in the law profession uh, had supposedly, she heard from someone, had picked up a... Uh, some kind of an Australian wombat or something that had come into Providence on a on a on a ship, Providence being a minor port, but still you have uh, ships all over the place. Uh. And uh, they took it home, thought it was a dog, and apparently it was a you know they, they could have killed her. Yeah, but I guess they appreciated the attack. But if if this even happened, it's an old time urban legend. So uh, I, th- I think that the, the Slender Man thing has um, part of that uh, to it. On the other hand. I have run into the man in the checkered shirt in three different cases, including one in Montreal, Canada, uh, Rhode Island, and also in Connecticut. I've actually seen it myself, you know, kind of ducking behind a tree or a truck or something. And uh, it, it, that is another one of, the, one of these common archetypal things. Uh, the little girl with blonde hair, sometimes with flowers in her hair, is another, is another classic thing. I ran into that in Cumberland, Rhode Island, right here in our area. In a case in the 1990s, Shane, I think you were involved in that. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, uh, down down there, um, it, it's written up in uh, uh, faces. Of, I should say footsteps in the attic uh, from the 20, 2002 that w- we wrote. Uh, so anyway, th- th- these things do tend to um, recur, and, and uh, very often they turn out to be parasites. So Shane, what say you? I know you've run into all kinds of fun things like this. <laughs> you know, I agree with you. Um, parasites are funny. They'll take on the shape of a little blonde girl just to get you to pay attention to it. Right. Start talk, talking to it. And once you start, oh, Sally, we're home. Sally, we're going to work. You know, and you're you're feeding that attention. And then next thing you know, it's it, it's uh, not Sally anymore. It's destroying your life. But yep. um, it, but you know, now with these these different things like Slender Man, I started off like, what was it, a game or something on the internet? It was something to that Something effect. like that, yeah. Uh, Nick the, spelled it out. The, the history of Slender Man is, is, a, is a dumb one. Um, it, yeah. it initially started on an image board uh, website where they basically did a contest and it was like it was like a drawing contest. And, you know, they, so they were like, okay, someone create, you know, the next big cryptid or whatever. And so someone drew um, a man in a suit with no face uh, who was very tall, had um, like you know, like occasional, you know, occasionally pictured with like black tentacles or or whatever, you know, coming from the back, and then it, you know, people just started writing stories about it and named it Slenderman, and then eventually over time, um, it ended up on this this website called Creepy Pasta, which is essentially you know the 21st century equivalent of of folklore or or urban legends, and. It's it's a it's you know there are some pretty spooky reads on there I'm not gonna lie, yeah. um, but essentially it it, it kind of sprung from there and you know it it took on kind of a life of its own with this little internet game that somebody made that was called um, ah crap it was called uh, the seven letters or something like that and I remember when I was in college. We we studied we took a class like one of one of my classes and we studied the sound design of it because it's like it's a crappy little game and you could download it and it's like for for free I don't know if or maybe you still can't I think they ended up monetizing it at some point in time but initially like in like 2013 2000 uh, yeah it was like 2013 you could just get it for free 
and um, we studied it because it was very low resolution, like just didn't didn't look great, but it did this amazing thing with sound where there was no music in it whatsoever, and the goal was to find these little seven letters, and once you found all seven, then you completed the game. But throughout the game, um, you know, you would turn around and you would see Slenderman following you, but it wouldn't move, but basically every time you moved and didn't keep an eye on it, it would shift from tree to tree and follow you all the way. So it kind of it was pretty creepy. And so it was just kind of a little internet thing for a while, and it, it gradually picked up s- speed un- until um, you know there was that that case a few years back with those uh, preteen girls who ended up you know stabbing their friend like you know I forget how many times, and basically said, "Oh, uh, we did this for quote unquote the Slender Man unquote for for some sort of weird." Reason it was really really horrible, um, and I believe the two girls ended up in a mental institution afterwards. Yeah, so parasites do pretty much. Um, so it, it's it's one of those things where it, it is it's the quintessential twenty first century uh, ghost story, right? Where it kind of takes on a life of its own, and then it just gets too too big too quickly, and it's it's sort of like the the modern day equivalent of like you know old like like paperback books about like you know Loch Ness monster or Bigfoot or something like that like you know back in the early 1900s when you had these like you know basically these little like penny dreadfuls of just like different monsters and things like that this is you know the 21st century equivalent of that and so it's it it there are sort of, sort of you know unsubstantiated reports of people seeing it but I would I would throw my weight behind the argument of Parasites will take on any form in any way to get what they want. <laughs> well, one of the things here, there are several levels to this. Everything we've said doesn't mean that it's people are not having real experiences. They may see, they may be familiar with the Slender Man thing on the internet, and then they see something which may or may not be paranormal, and they interpret it as Slender Man. Okay. Now, I actually have uh, photographs of parasites that are long and thin, look almost like lightning, you know, because that's the way you see them through, through the membrane. Yeah, put a suit on it and you're done. Precisely, yeah. Uh, but there are also the, the notion of thought forms or, oh, I was actually, or topas. I thought about that as I finished my thoughts. So you please. thought about the thought forms, okay. I did. Good, <laughs> well done. But uh, just briefly, uh, that's, I mean, Tibetan Buddhist monks will sometimes use this as a spiritual exercise. And... Um, I've actually seen uh, a group of college students in Canada one time. Actually, okay, we're we're going to come up with a story and project it, concentrate on it. Uh, then the story was of some person who was alive hundreds of years ago and died and was now a ghost. And and they would actually have seances and they would get reactions. Which I I thought it was parasites. I told them not to do it. Because listen, nobody listened to me anyway in those days. <laughs> I don't know about how many listen now. But in any case, it was um, you, you can apparently create thought forms of this kind or tulpas. Uh, so with everybody concentrating on, on a story, they might have created something that is equivalent to a reality. Shane, any thoughts on that further? Yeah, I, I agree. I've actually done that experiment uh, a few times, and it, it was successful. Oh, yeah, time. you're crazier than I am. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Reverse engineering no. some of these phenomena. 
But, you know, whenever, like, I know, like Ben said, you know, those girls that um, tried to kill their schoolmate or their classmate or whatever, but there was a lot of younger kids and younger teenagers that were, like, obsessed with the Slender Man thing. And, um, but it, it also, being creepy as it is, when anything strikes you emotionally like that and puts that kind of, like, terror in you, um, anything that has, like, a, a strong effect on you emotionally, um, can feed these things in, in mostly the parasites but um like in the more you talk about it and the more people are exposed to these things and <clears throat> like the dogman phenomenon like there's mm. more and more people seeing these things and um and and the ones that are seeing them said that the thought before they they, they heard of them and they said the thought of seeing them would be like the most horrible thing they they could even imagine and then they end up witnessing it you know, you know or seeing one near their house or on the, on their property and and that seems to be happening more and more but there's you know you have all kinds of different different um, types of things too you know yeah uh, but you know exactly what they are uh, I think a lot of times they are parasites but then again you know where we have these <clears throat> paranormal flap areas and we know anything can come through those areas when those components are in place um, so you never know just what they are you know but yeah I think we've a lot experienced of, it yes so I remember we've done some great shows with um, not only Nick Redfern but also uh, Linda Godfrey who was probably the foremost expert on uh, cryptids uh, at least of the dog variety uh, in North America and uh, her descriptions of what actually happens when you encounter one can be very interesting uh, you'll get a look from the creature as if, you know, hey, I know all about this, but you don't. And they're sort of almost superior kind of very thing. Smug. Very sm- <laughs> smug cryptids. I don't know. Yeah, if that's, hey, you know. So, I um, but people can look back for shows with, with uh, Linda. And I want to get, this is a little long, but I think we, we have time for it. It's uh, about a sighting uh, from Elaine. I believe Elaine is in New York State. Sure thing. Uh, so, Lena writes to us. Uh, I can't remember how old I was. Uh, probably in middle school in the early 1960s. I saw a large object uh, round in the front um, with a blunt back end flying silently. It was close enough that I could see the bottom and not the top, but it was, wasn't overhead, uh, probably a quarter of a mile away. Uh, it was as big as a large jet in diameter. The color was a dark gray, and there were pipes and, and such on the bottom, uh, not smooth. I remember going in the house and telling my father about it, and he said, Oh, that's an experimental hovercraft uh, flying to Niagara Fall, the Niagara Falls Air Force Base. There is no such thing. Yeah, right? Uh, I believed him and gave it no more thought. Uh, one day a couple of years ago, I was listening to Tim Beckley, and the people were discussing that a lot of people uh, seemed to see their first UFO at age 12. Memory popped into my mind. I recently asked my elderly mother, uh, 89 years old, if she remembered me asking about it, and she replied, Oh, you mean the UFO? That's it. <laughs> I didn't mention that uh, the object wasn't high in the sky, and no need to uh, tip my head to look back at it. Just looked at, uh, just looked straight out to see it, and it was uh, low enough that I wouldn't have have uh, that I wouldn't have seen it today uh, from the spot because the trees have grown so high. Uh, I've Forgot to tell you that the object was flying slowly, slower than a plane. I watched it for a few minutes until it disappeared into the distance. Uh, this was also out in the country, farms and woodland. Okay, I should correct myself. There is uh, an uh, Air Force Reserve station 
near Niagara Falls, but I mean, it's as far I remember it, and it's not really. It was at the time, at least, not equipped to handle, uh, you know, stuff that that she's talking about. Uh, but Elaine, uh, it makes me think of the craft photographed by our dear colleague here, our late colleague uh, Joe Ferrier from here in WOON Radio, uh, who was. Uh, major ufo kind of expert in the 1960s mm. and then got out of it because he wanted his life to get back to him because he was on our show and he said things that he never said publicly before about the, the sightings and the photographs he obtained look a lot like what she elaine is describing that. here huh you know yeah 100 percent. yeah uh, shane thoughts yeah i mean i've never seen one shape like that but it certainly sounds like she saw something that wasn't you know, probably not from from us, but um, especially when you know, it, this seems like a long time ago, right? So yeah, I'm talking about the '60s here, I think. Yeah, so we didn't have anything that could go slow in the air, you know, um, except for a blimp or what a helicopter. So, but it, uh, it's obviously not what she saw. Um, and, I, and I've seen plenty of plenty of UFOs, but I've, uh, mine were always you know disc shape or or lights, you know, or like that one we saw in Pennsylvania. But I've I've seen quite a few times, but never, never an odd shape of one like that. But I know plenty of people who have. Yeah. Well, the question arises, too, uh, why are there so many kinds of craft? We brought this question up before. They range all the way from these obviously nuts and bolts sorts of things all the way to just balls of light, uh, as in Marley Woods. And, and our good friend, the late Ted Phillips, uh, had documented lots of those things. And his opinion was that the the technology of whoever owns these things, was advancing from the nuts and bolts to something else, uh, or there were many different civilizations visiting us, or many, many other explanations that might might amount to a military uh, hardware that we didn't, didn't know about. Where the, the military, as far as our research and development is concerned, is about 10 years ahead of what the public knows, all right? So th- these are all things that are possible. So, so really, it's a matter of kind of who knows uh, what these are. But um, I- I'm intrigued by Elaine's reference to a lot of people having their first UFO experiences at the age of 12. Um, I will. I-, I never paid much attention to that. I'll have to look back in records. Maybe you could do the same, Shane, and see if there's any reference to that sort of thing uh, among witnesses that we're aware of. Um, I, yeah, but it's an interesting idea. I'm thinking of Joe Ferrier uh, here from uh, the, the station, and he had uh, experiences that he never talked about except on our show, and one when he was starting when he was like four. So that was before, obviously, 12. So uh, I don't know, but that's something uh, I think really, really uh, worth looking into. As far as the UFO sightings, the, the age, I, I've never heard any anything like that, uh, but the, but I'll tell you, just to kind of like support that a little bit, um, a very common age for people to have experiences with like alien or abduction experiences start at seven. Um, yeah. With my experience with, with that stuff started at seven. Um, but then, um, like Mike Stevens too, he, um, he has memories at age three and I had experiences at age three that in now retrospect, looking back at it, may very well have been uh, what I started experience, experiencing at seven. It just was a little different. So, but yeah, so seven is a very common age for that experience. So there, there just might be, you know, you know, uh, yeah. for for seeing UFOs, you know, in, in age. 
from what um, I remember of uh, my son here, uh, I, I know he doesn't like to talk about this a lot, but uh, he had a, he was talking about experiences as, as early as he could talk. You know, I don't know about you, not necessarily seeing UFOs or anything, but various. Uh, I didn't file any reports of MUFON. That's that's what you're asking. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 exactly. Well, so here is um, just uh, I think time one more quick uh, just report. I might say, and there is on the uh, behind the paranormal website a a form people can fill out to report paranormal experiences of, of any kind, and we are we're going to put one uh, as well on the New England Ghosts site, which is ridiculously out of date. I don't think it's been updated in ten years, and we're going to uh, that's being redesigned finally. And uh, but there are ways for people to report these things to us other than sending emails, uh, and this is. Um, I guess if you want to, just this part down here, Ben, this is from uh, Margaret in North Carolina. Uh, interesting, interesting report. Uh, just, just the bottom portion? Yeah, just a paragraph on the right there. Yeah. Okay. Um, sitting on my couch watching TV, I see in the corner by the TV an entity that is black, although somewhat transparent, with wings. Uh, about the same size as a cat. It is uh, flapping its wings, uh, which looks kind of like a cross between a butterfly and a bird. No eyes. My cat saw it as well uh, and went after it, but it just vanished. Uh, it wanted me to see it. Hmm. Wasn't that interesting? Uh, Shane, have you ever heard of anything like that? Not necessarily like that, but I've, I've heard of people seeing like um, dark entities with like wings, um, you know, d- uh, but nothing small like that. It's usually been like a, a decent size. Um, yeah. But so yeah. The, but that's how these parasites are. Whatever's gonna get you, whatever's gonna strike your nerve, you know, they'll show up in whatever way that that's that it's gonna take. So I, I'm not sure. What whatever I, what I found interesting too in this, among other things, was the the actual cat was not afraid of it. Usually, they, you know, they freak, they jump, they, you know, they're hanging from the ceiling by their claws, and they run out of the room. Uh, it's very unusual that, that uh, a cat would respond um, in a predatory manner to something like this. Well, I mean, yeah, it was an interesting thing that that just reminded me of. Uh, when we were, when Mary and I were living at uh, her, her mother-in-law's place, we, um, it was 100% parasite activity there. No, no, no question about it. No, yeah. no, no doubts in my mind. That's that's what was was going on there. And I remember um, we would we would bring our 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 cat at the time, who was probably like one and a half to it. Nah, she wasn't even two. She was probably about like you know she was about a year old. Clementine. Yeah, we would bring Clementine. Um, we would bring her into our our room at night and close the door because at night she would chase something all over the house. Hmm. And it was like. In, you could hear her just running back and forth in the upstairs hallway for like a good hour. I don't know what she was doing, if she was being chased, if she was doing the chasing, <laughs> but it was always in the same spot. So we would just bring her into our room at night because it was like, hey, you know, this is probably very stressful for you. I remember that house, a uh, gorgeous big house, but weird. Oh boy, did it have a lot of problems. Yeah, you're, good thing you got out of there. Yes. Anyway, uh, there we have, uh, back to animals. I guess we'll kind of come full circle. Um, okay, I think we have, um, probably better get to our announcements because we have a lot of them. The whole point but, uh, of thank you, Elaine, for, I should say, um, Margaret, for reporting that, and Elaine and everyone who wrote in today. Yeah, really fascinating stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, well, let's, let's sort of hop into the, into right. the deep end here. Um, as we have announced on recent shows, 
the 2020 Exeter UFO Festival on Labor Day weekend has been canceled. Uh, but the 55th anniversary of the incident at Exeter will not go unsung on the show. Uh, on September 6th, the day that uh, we would have had the broadcast from the Exeter, uh, or, sorry, I should say the historic Exeter Town Hall with a panel of speakers uh, for the fifth year in a row, we will do a rebroadcast of last year's panel show from there. Um, on the panel, along with Kathleen Martin, Peter Robbins, uh, Mac. Uh, Mac Maloney, Mike Stevens, the Allagash UFO abductees, and many other luminaries in the UFO field. Now, on September 7th, as we've been saying, uh, it's Labor Day in the United States. Ben and I will be on the Travel Channel as part of the debut of The Devil's Road, the true story of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh, That's first in a new series of two-hour documentaries entitled America's True Horror Stories and also Shock Docs, Docs Mm. as in documentaries. So I don't know how shocking they'll be, but we'll see. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm in it as someone who worked with the Warrens and Ben is there to represent a new generation of researchers. And again, that's the Travel Channel, 9 p.m. Eastern, Monday, September 7th, 2020. Yes, yes. and uh, so the Western UFO, uh, uh, the Western Connecticut UFO Conference uh, will take place via Facebook Live on Saturday and Sunday, October 17th and the 18th. Uh, this is a free annual event sponsored by the Danbury, Connecticut Public Library, along uh, with ourselves. Uh, speakers will include uh, our very own Shane Searway here with us uh, and Mark D'Antonio, along with Linda Zimmerman, um, Mike uh, Panicello. Yep. Is it Cello? Ch- I always yes. forget if it's two C's. Yes. Mike Panicello of Connecticut Newfon and more. On Sunday, we will uh, s- uh, simulcast our show uh, from here on WON with our special guest, uh, Dr. Bill Burns of the UFO Hunters TV show, uh, New York Times bestselling author and publisher of UFO Magazine. Yeah, the organizers are pretty excited about that. That'll be uh, the anchor for the, uh, the Sunday event anyway. Additionally, we have word that the New England Parafest uh, will take place on April 10th and 11th, 2021 in Kittery, Maine. And that's our good friend, uh, Tom Spidleri organi- was organizing that. Uh, he's the eternal optimist, I mean, as far as you know, live in-person events are concerned. But anyway, let's hope that happens, and we will do a live uh, broadcast of this show with a panel of the speakers on Sunday the 11th. Uh, more information will be forthcoming. That might, in a way, kind of make up for not doing the Exeter Festival this year. <laughs> people look forward to that the we'll panel. We'll broadcasts speakers. everywhere we go. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we do. So, uh, Shane, what's going on with you? You've yeah, been on the radio so, a lot lately, huh? Yeah, man. Oh, man. Yeah. They love so, you, Shane. They love you. <laughs> I got more scheduled, too. Um, so, I'll, but I'll, I'll post those. Um, but yeah, and I get the, the two conferences, the Parafest in April and then, um, the Western Connecticut one in October. Um, and other than that, yeah, the show, all the shows I've been doing and remodeling my house has been a task, but we just <laughs> yeah. finished, we, we just finished the bathroom and I'm. Well, I'm, you need to remodel my house, too, at some point when you get the chance. <laughs> All right. Great. Okay, uh, so Ben? Ah, yes, you can check out our books along with uh, those of our other co-hosts at our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can also find out more about the show, our many cases over the years, our public appearances, and how to book us, along with uh, some of our uh, 850 free recorded shows from our 12-plus years on the air, including our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, um, along with special shows and podcasts. All the past shows, um, back to late 2009, are also available on major podcast platforms. Uh, that includes YouTube, uh, Apple uh, Podcasts, the Paranormal Radio app, uh, Spotify, and many more. Um, 
please be so kind as to uh, give, give us a, a little a little rating um, if you have the option to. That would be very good for us, not only for our self-esteem, but also kind of helps grow the show as well. Um, and uh, you can check us out on all of those. I like the uh, the comment that uh, sort of being on a cute little radio station like this actually kind of adds to the the ambiance of the show. Unintentional ambiance. That was a, ni- a nice thought. I thought. So uh, we're also working on another book with Shane and uh, perhaps one or two other co-authors here, and that is uh, Behind the Paranormal 3, Uneasy Skies. We, we speak at all these UFO conventions, and we've never written a book specifically about that subject. It's, so it's here a very it comes. good point. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're hoping to have that out by spring. Okay, so uh, there are links to several charities we have adopted on the show, uh, including USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping Haiti's Orphans, Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles, and Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America, and the Sisterhood of Ground Zero, along with the Milk Fund here in northern Rhode Island. So please check those out. We know the people who run those charities, and uh, the money goes where it should, not just for administration and postage and things of that kind. Mm. All right. So, uh, Ben, uh, what uh, we have in store for next week? Well, next week we have, uh, well, let me give the date first. That would probably be helpful. August 30th, uh, author and researcher and former military intelligence officer Dr. Kevin Randall uh, will join us for an in-depth look at Project Blue Book, which I don't think we've ever really done an in-depth look on before. Not specific, only with Stanton Friedman, but that that was a long time ago. It was, and long time. It was before the uh, the infamous or famous uh, series came out on the History Channel, mm. which was uh, not well received by anybody I know in this field. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, including Nick Redfern. I feel like if anything has billboards anywhere on a, on a, on a highway that's, that's promoting something, I can't, I, didn't, I don't think I could find myself getting behind it. Because yeah. there were billboards on on the Mass Pike going to Boston for it. I remember that. What? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think you're right about that. Anyway, we leave you today with a thought from that old darling Albert Einstein. To raise new questions, new possibilities, to regard old problems from a new angle requires creative imagination and marks real advance in science. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And I'm Shane Serway. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.